and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist and personal trainer, and I live on a small hobby farm. I have a huge passion for bodybuilding, but I don't fall into the typical bodybuilding mold. The naysayers, they can have their bro science. Yep, I said it. I'm a natural health and nutrition nerd. Some would call me a granola, but that couldn't be further from the wrong word. I stay away from the typical processed, standard American diet, and I don't eat granola. I created this podcast to share my health journey and the many things I've learned in my quest to find what it takes to live a mindful, happy, balanced life for all humans, not just athletes. I hope to help you discover your inner nerd and help you make some hefty deposits into your knowledge bank account that can help you crack your health code. And so many of us kind of go through life where it's kind of like, I need to solve all of these problems and I need to um, kind of answer all of these questions or achieve all of these goals. And only then could I be happy or satisfied. And one of the things that, that I feel like is really clear once you start looking at it is that in every moment of life, there are infinite problems to solve, goals to achieve, you know, things that you could view as kind of wrong or, or, or that, that are kind of problems in life. And at the same time, in every moment, there are infinite things that could be sort of causes for happiness, things to, that we could be kind of grateful for, or that we could appreciate about the exact moment that we're in. And looking at things in that way, what happens really quickly is that we realize that if if I'm trying to wait for the point that I've achieved everything that I could possibly achieve and there's no more problems that could be solved, if I'm waiting for that point to feel happy or satisfied, that point's never going to come. And so then inevitably, I need to find a way to feel some sense of um, contentment or happiness or whatever it is that I'm looking for in this moment with life as it is, because, you know, the, the, the reality is, um, you know, problems will, will always be there and there'll always be something more to achieve than, than what you found. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have the pleasure of having Tim Desmond on the podcast. Tim is a psychotherapist, author, distinguished faculty scholar at Antioch University, a student of the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. He is founder of Peer Collective, a new service whose mission is to radically increase access to mental health support through online peer counseling. He is also co-founder of the Morning Sun Mindfulness Center, where he lives in Alstead, New Hampshire. He teaches mindfulness and self-compassion practices to audiences around the world, and his publications include Self-Compassion in Psychotherapy, the Self-Compassion Skills Workbook, and my personal favorite, How to Stay Human in a Fucked Up World. Today, Tim is coming on the podcast to talk about self-compassion and just kind of getting in touch with ourselves and what our goals are and, um, you know, realizing that sometimes we have to take a step back from 
the um, race of everyday life and really appreciate what we have and what we've done and the places we've been. So today, Tim and I have a great conversation and I am so, so excited to share it with you. Before we get into the conversation, if you could just hit the pause button, go to my podcast and subscribe to it or follow it depending on what platform you're on. Um, And then just leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. I don't have a ton of advertisements on my podcast and I do that so that we don't have to interrupt your listening um, to give you some spiel on things that we are selling. So Anyway, I do this purely to help other people out and help them have um, an outlet to uh, listen to and hopefully, um, you know, attain some self-development. So anyway, if you could go on, like, share, all of that stuff is the only way my podcast gets out there and it's the only way that it is visible to others. So thank you so much for doing that in advance. And before I keep rambling on about all of this nonsense, well, let's just get to the show. So Tim, I'm so excited to have you on the show today because I think that you know, as a fitness podcast, right? Um, I think fitness is not only physical, I think it's also mental. And so it's also great in life to take a step back and look at things from a little bit of a different view, which you are very good at painting that um, picture in your book, um, How to Stay Human in a Fucked Up World. And so um, I'm hoping you'll go ahead and introduce yourself and we can chat about all things mental fitness today. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Um, so my name is Tim Desmond. Um, I'm a psychology professor and a writer. Um, I've written a couple of books about um, meditation, mindfulness, uh, self-compassion, and and basically just like, yeah, uh, how to be the person that you want to be in whatever kind of circumstances life kind of throws at you. My, yeah, my background is, is both in academic psychology, but I've also been um, a meditation student for 20 years. And um, yeah, I'm happy to, to be here and talking about this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I read your book a couple months ago and I found some real pearls of wisdom in there. And so I'm hoping we can talk about some of those because you kind of look at things from a total different light, you know, um, like you say, there's a million, a a million ways you can find, um, something wrong with things, but you have to kind of look at that what's right. And I, I, I love the message that you're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, one thing that I feel like is really kind of important in terms of being able to kind of be the person that we want to be and and being able to kind of enjoy life the way that we want to enjoy it is that so many people, so many of us kind of go through life where it's kind of like, I need to solve all of these problems and I need to um, kind of answer all of these questions or achieve all of these goals and only then could I be happy or satisfied. And one of the things that, that I feel like is really clear once you start looking at it is that in every moment of life, 
there are infinite problems to solve, goals to achieve, you know, things that you could view as kind of wrong or, or, or that, that are kind of problems in life. And at the same time, in every moment, there are infinite things that could be sort of causes for happiness, things to, that we could be kind of grateful for or that we could appreciate about the exact moment that we're in. And looking at things in that way, what happens really quickly is that we realize that if, if I'm trying to wait for the point that I've achieved everything that I could possibly achieve and there's no more problems that could be solved, if I'm waiting for that point to feel happy or satisfied, that point's never going to come. And so then inevitably, I need to find a way to feel some sense of um, contentment or happiness or whatever it is that I'm looking for in this moment with life as it is. Because you know the, the, the reality is um, you know, problems will, will always be there and there'll always be something more to achieve than, than what you found. Amen to that. And, you know, it seems like that's kind of a, a huge mentality. I mean, I even catch myself in it um, on occasion saying, mm-hmm. okay, well, if I could just get this done, then I'll be happy and I can yeah. like slow down or, yeah. you know, so I think it's a, definitely a rut that we all get stuck in. Yeah. So, so for me, I think all of this kind of comes back to, um, figuring out like what kind of person do I want to be in the world? What, what kind of life do I want for myself? And and I think one thing that I really don't like about how a lot of people talk about, you know, mindfulness or, or, or personal growth or any of that kind of stuff is that they, they come at it with this assumption about what a good life is or like how you're supposed to live. Like the sort of this idea that you're supposed to be happy all the time or you're whatever it is, or you're supposed to feel like peaceful and content all the time. From my perspective, I think what what matters is for each of us to decide who do you want to be? Like, how do you want to relate to your life? Do you want to be someone who's always driving and never satisfied? Or do you want to be someone who kind of can move through whatever situation with a sense of like joy and contentment and openness? And, and I think that those are really important questions for us to, to really ask for ourselves. Like, you know, what kind of person do I want to be? And then kind of recognizing that it's possible for me to be that way in whatever situation I find myself in right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was a really important key point that you said in your book that just kind of made me go, holy cow. You know, you you say if having it all means adding more and more to your life without ever being willing to put something down, I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm personally guilty of that. I take on more and more and more and more, but I never set something down. It's always just adding to my my whole arm full of groceries, you know, or in in, in a sense. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that was hit the nail on the head for me, I was like, whoa, I've got to be able to set some things down every once in a while too. Cause eventually my arms are going to be so full. I can't pick anything else up. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly relate to that. Cause I think, um, I definitely can get kind of carried away with projects and creativity and, and, you know, I, I'm a single dad. Um, I, um, you know, I, I, I run, a, we can talk about this later, but I'm, I'm starting a, a new kind of uh, company that's trying to, you know, offer 
uh, mental health support for people online. I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I write books and, and, and teach. There's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to do. And I, I think the issue is if every moment of life is filled up, then we lose the ability just to kind of pause and appreciate what we have or what's already here because we're, we're, we're always looking at what comes next, right? When, when, we're, when we're filled up with all of these projects, we're always thinking about like keeping the balls in the air. Like, okay, well, what, what do I need to catch next? What do I need to throw next? And setting them down gives us the chance to kind of like look around and be like, you know what? Look at all that's going right in my life right now. Like, it's possible for people to go through an entire lifespan and never actually appreciate anything that they've created, never actually really, you know, take the time to enjoy it. And that's, that, that's for me, like so much of what I get from kind of putting things down. Right. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is you're right. I mean, in your book, so I am in dentistry. That is my full-time job. And you talk about the toothache in your book. And I just kind of laughed about it because I was like, you are so right. So uh, maybe you can tell uh, everybody that story because it's like, or, you know, about having a toothache and, and only wanting to not have a toothache. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, um, one of the ways when we're sort of talking about that there are infinite reasons to be happy in every moment, some people are like, really? And so one of the things that, that I'll sort of talk about is like, if you had a toothache right in this moment, it would be clear to you. You'd, you'd be thinking, if only I didn't have a toothache, I'd be so happy. But right now you don't have a toothache. And that can be a cause for happiness. So, so just recognizing what isn't wrong can be like a, a, a way to, to recognize kind of all of the gifts that are already present, all of the sort of causes for happiness that are already present in your life. Um, because as soon as something major like that is happening, it's like, oh man, if only it weren't for this, I'd be so happy. Um, yeah, and I think that like the the toothache is so clear because once when you have that kind of pain, your whole mind is just wrapped up in it. Right, you can't stop thinking yeah. about it, and so um, that's a good analogy for life. Really, yeah. um, sometimes we tend to get wrapped up in things and fail to see the things that are um, beautiful. Yeah. You know, so um, that was a great analogy for me. And, you know, I've started to kind of think about it <laughs> frequently. If I do have a moment of, of, you know, of where I'm like, uh, what am I doing? You know, or, you know, just a moment of doubt even. So, um, yeah, I loved that. And, you know, things have not always been easy for you either. And you've had to find a lot of silver lining in times of, Oh, a lot of sorrow. Yeah. So, so I mentioned that I'm a single dad. So, I, I mean, I, so I grew up, I mean, I, I think that one of the things, um, one of the reasons that I wrote the book that I wrote, so how to stay human in a fucked up world, the, the, 
um, the, the story actually behind that is kind of interesting. Uh, I, so the, the book that I pitched to, um, to my publisher was mindfulness for people who don't meditate. Um, and they, they sort of like bought that idea and I started talking with my editor and she's like, you know, this is really kind of for kind of a small niche of people that are interested in mindfulness, but don't want to meditate. If you were going to write a book for everybody, what would that book be? And for me, it was basically about just like how to like, how we can be the person that we want to be in whatever fucked up situation life puts us in. And and I think that the the reason that that's such a an important thing for me is that that's a hundred percent of what led me to be interested in any of this stuff. So I grew up in Boston. Um, I had a, a single mom um, who was an alcoholic. Uh, you know, started AA like you know when I when I was a kid, but was an active alcoholic for a lot of my childhood. Um, we were actually homeless for a while when I was a teenager, um, and I got into college on a sports scholarship. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have gone. But I showed up in college kind of being like, okay, so I didn't really do anything to deserve being here. Um, I want to try to take advantage of this. And I started applying myself more to school, and I was in a um, political science class. And in that political science class, we had – it was like a peace and world order class, and we were assigned a book by the Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Vietnamese Buddhist teacher and it's called Peace is Every Step. And it was about not only trying to create a sort of a more just world, um, but also trying to be helpful and and sort of be a a servant in the world in a way that wasn't self-sacrificing but that was coming from a place of real freedom and happiness. And I was just like, I have no idea what this person is talking about, but this is exactly, this is what's missing from me in my life. This is what I, I don't have any of this ability to be, to be present, to be able to, to sort of be, um, to feel free and happy in, in, in whatever life is giving you. And so I really kind of dove into that and spent so much of my time and energy through like through my twenties and thirties, um, just trying to understand how these practices work. And then that was really put to a test. Um, a few years ago, my, my wife, um, and I, we had a son He was about two years old when she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Um, And then I spent the next three years kind of raising him and taking care of her. And then she passed away when he was uh, about, you know, almost two years ago when, when she, when he was five. Um, And it was during that time of caring for my wife that I was writing this book. And the thing that, that was really clear to me is like, this is sort of putting to the test all of these practices that I've learned and that have been helpful for me, that have been helpful for me in, for, for a lot of my twenties and thirties, I was pretty fortunate. You know, like I had a really hard time growing up, but I had a, a relatively, you know, stable life, um, 
as a, as an adult until this. And so then it was really kind of putting, putting all my practices to the test and kind of seeing, okay, so what is it that really works when life is falling apart and, and, you know, what doesn't? Yeah. And that was something that really struck me um, in the book that you talk Mm -hmm. about, because, you know, a lot of times I find that you get mindfulness coaches or people that speak about meditation and things like that. They portray to be this perfect in every single way. Like they, they don't. Yeah. You're, you are like, listen, at this point I was like extremely angry and down and upset about things. But then you shared how you had to kind of turn it around and look at what the good things were in the situation and try to change your path of thinking. And I think that's really important because we're not always perfect. We can't always be in this Zen state, but we need to learn how to turn that around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like, um, all of these practices, like, you know, what is it, what, what is it that's appealing about any of them? And and I just speaking for myself, it's kind of like recognizing that um, it's the freedom that comes from a, a type of inner strength that you can cultivate, that you can, in the same way that you can cultivate physical strength. It's a type of inner strength or mental strength that you can cultivate and that you cultivate in the same way that you cultivate physical strength. It's like through practice, through repetitions, through, um, you know, through commitment, you de- you can develop this, you know, inner mental strength that allows you to, um, to not get thrown around by life in the same way that so many of us do. Um, and, and, and the idea like, so, and therefore these practices are really only valuable to the extent that they're, they're you, that you can use them when, when things aren't going well, like, a, like, yeah. So, so for me, that's really what kind of what the whole value in any of this comes down to. And I love that. So, you know, it's a really big, huge subject, but, you know, for my listeners and things, what are some baby steps they can take in order to incorporate some of these practices into their life and help them start to um, see the silver lining in dark clouds or times when things become a little bit difficult? So, so for me, um, the, the first step, of developing this kind of resilience, developing this kind of inner strength is learning how to feel safe and free in a moment that you are safe and free, right? Because a lot of us, we can be sitting in the, you know, like we can be like alone in like this quiet, beautiful place and still feeling stressed out. You know, like we, I, I sit down, I'm like, okay, for the next 20 minutes, half hour, whatever it is, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. And I still can't, like my mind won't let go of my fears. 
my, uh, you know, the pressures on me. And so the, the first thing that I want to do is just learn how to let those things go. That's the first step um, to then being able to have that type of freedom and contentment when, when, I'm, in a con- when I'm in a context that isn't as safe where my external environment is more chaotic. So the, the first step really just comes to find yourself in a safe place, you know, go somewhere quiet, go somewhere beautiful, go, you know, it can be going for a walk. It can be sitting somewhere, like whatever it is, but really focus on allowing yourself to feel whatever quality of mind you're trying to cultivate, right? If it's trying to be a sense of freedom, if it's trying to be a sense of joy, if it's trying to be a sense of ease, like whatever it is that you want, if it's trying to be a sense of like open-heartedness and love, whatever it is you're trying to cultivate in yourself, go to a safe, calm place and just work on being able to, to feel that when there are no problems. And once you develop the ability to do that, you can start adding weight to your exercises, which basically now means go to whatever safe place. It's a walk. It's a part in your house that you're sitting, you know, whatever it is. And then take a moment to kind of like let yourself kind of ground and and sort of feel that. But then start to think of some actual difficulty or challenge in your life. It might be a difficult relationship. It might be some sort of like situation that you're afraid might happen. Bring that to mind. And then see if it's possible for you in light of that difficulty to still feel that freedom, to still feel that ease or love or whatever it is. And it's this, poss- it's this process similar to developing strength. You want to just add just enough weight that it's a challenge, but not overwhelming. Wow. Um, yeah. So th- with that, you know, I know a lot of people, even including myself, like you were saying, it's hard to sit for a couple minutes when yeah. you're thinking of all these other things you have to do. So that's a really great practice, I think, to incorporate in because, you know, at some point, you know, things are, you're only going to yeah. get there when you yeah. get there. Right. You know, I mean, we find ourselves um, in a hurry or aggressive yeah. driving because we, we need to get yeah. places, you know, and we're like honking our horn or being like, geez, I wish this guy would just yeah. hurry up, you know, for the guy in front of you or somebody's sitting at the light more than one hundredth of a second and yeah. you honk your horn at them when really that's not going to get you to the place yeah. any faster. You're just going to get yeah. there when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. And so so basically kind of like what it comes down to, if you're sort of like, I don't know if I can meditate, I can't imagine just sort of like sitting in place. First, you don't need to sit in place. You can do, you, you want to start with like similar to any type of exercise, you want to start with what feels easy and doable for you, but you also need to have goals. Like, don't try to practice sitting meditation just because somebody said it's it's good for you. Like have an idea of like what is it that you're trying to cultivate in yourself? 
Because only, only if you actually care about the outcome is it going to be worth doing. Right? Right. Just going through the going through the motions is not going to be what creates this this exercise exactly. and what makes it happen. You know, you you have to be willing to want to do it. You're not yeah. just sitting there like going, okay. Yeah, I exactly. Because if you do, it's going to feel dead. It's going to, you know, it's, it's going to feel like just like this really kind of deadening, boring um, experience where you're almost kind of numbing out and that doesn't actually benefit you at all. That's, that's not going to yeah, help you to sort of be more like the person you, that you want to be. And so the, the idea is, so, so for me, one, one question, one thing that came up for me as I was starting to learn about this stuff, the first meditation teacher that I had in my life was someone that I met in college and she led a little meditation group sort of in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh, that, uh, that the person, the, you know, the writer that I, that I was really attracted to, um, her name's Joanne Friday and she lives in Rhode Island where I went to college. And, um, the thing that I experienced about her that I thought was just amazing is that everybody that interacts with Joanne will come across, will come away saying like, I feel like Joanne really loves me. Like as much as kind of anybody else that I know. Um, and I was just like, what an amazing, like what an amazing person to be like, what an amazing thing to do with your life is like to be somebody in other people's lives where they're actually kind of, they get that feeling of like, wow, this person really cares about me. This person really likes me. And so that ended up being one of the things that, that I, cause I would, I, I started this as like a really kind of judgmental, critical, um, suspicious, angry person. And then I saw Joanne as kind of the antithesis of that. And I was like, I want to get more, I want to be more like her. I want, I want people to feel like, I, I would love it for people to feel like I like them. I would like, I would like to sort of be that type of person in people's lives. Cause it fucking, it felt really good being around Joanne. I was like, I want to be able to give that to people. So then with that clarity of like, who do I want to be? What, what am I trying to grow in myself? Then it came back to what's getting in the way of me actually feeling open to somebody. And what I saw was like all of these, you know, all, all of my own stress, all of my own perfectionism, all of my, like, you know, all of this kind of pain in me and all of this fear of being hurt again in me that was getting in the way of me being willing to sort of be open to people. And so that I had, so it was just like, okay, well, if I want to, if I want to be open to people, I need to be able to, to learn how to, um, to, to be open and, and transform some of those habits in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's a, an interesting way to look like, I really like the way that you looked at that because, uh, you know, I think I, I self-analyze myself yeah. pretty frequently and I'm always, I always have to ask myself, why am I doing this? What is the driver yeah. for this vehicle? You know, um, you know, and try to make sure that I'm not doing it for the yeah. incorrect yep. reasons. Yeah. Totally. So, 
you know um and and that outlook i think is going to help a lot of people because you know being in you can be as kind on the outside anybody can portray that but if it's not genuine and you're not kind to yourself as well it's not going to come off that way to other people yeah yeah absolutely and that's and that's the sort of like so that 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 becomes like this big question of like well who do i want to be right like what what because it's got to matter to you or it's never going to, I mean, it's like the same thing with, with fitness and everything. Like if it doesn't really matter to you, you're not going to do it. And so it's the same thing with like right. cultivating whatever type of mental or psychological quality you want to grow in yourself. It's got to matter to you and it's got to feel personal. And then once it does, then, then this type of like cultivation it becomes really possible. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, and you talk about one, one funny sure. thing. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. the book just real quick on that. On that note is <laughs> you talk about getting ready to go study, yeah. I think, in France. And you have every belonging that you own in your pickup truck. Yeah. And it gets stolen. And in that moment, I'm reading that. I was like, oh, my gosh, the world would yeah. have been ending for me. And you were like. I actually felt free (laughs) and I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so um, I would, so it was like the first time that I was going to be going to Plum Village, which is the, the center in France where Thich Nhat Hanh had lived the, a a little bit. So Thich Nhat Hanh was a a, a monk in Vietnam Um, during the Viet, uh, the Vietnamese American war um, in the sixties, he was exiled from Vietnam uh, for sort of like, you know, um, protesting or whatever. Um, and he ends up taking, uh, becoming a refugee in France. Um, many years later, he's, he's leading this, this center. That's where he's teaching um, meditation and mindfulness and things like that. So I was going to be going to Plum Village to this teacher that I had looked up to for so long for the first time. And so I packed all of my stuff into my pickup truck and I was planning on like, there was like a long-term parking kind of place that I could park it and kind of keep my stuff in the back. Um, so I was going, I, I was staying on a friend's couch for one night. And then in the morning I was going to drop my truck off at long-term storage and then head to the airport. Well, that one night on my friend's couch, I woke up in the morning and the truck was gone um, with all my stuff in it. But it was like, I think be I was really primed because the the whole point was that I was I was wanting to have this experience of deepening my practice, deepening my ability to sort of have this type of freedom and openness in whatever situation. Like I was heading to Plum Village, and that's a place that sort of symbolized that for me. And you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh is someone who kind of symbolized that for me. And so, yeah, the, the, the truck was gone and I was like, okay, well I need to, uh, you know, call the cops and they, you know, they show up like an hour later cause this is Oakland, California. They show up an hour later and they're like, okay, well we can take a report, but we're never going to find it. And I was like, all right. Um, 
but it was like really clear of like, okay, well, I don't have my passport. So I need to get a passport because my flight leaves in a couple hours. What do I do? And I found that there was a, um, uh, an embassy in San Francisco that I could go to and they could get me a passport in an hour. And I was like, wow. And all of a sudden I was feeling really lucky. And I was like, wow, I'm still going to be able to make the flight. And, and the idea that everything was, all my stuff was gone was just like, yeah, well, okay. So that's, that's already over. That's that, that's my stuff. Like, but what felt meaningful to me is that I'm still going to be able to, to go and meet my teacher. Um, I, I think the, the lesson for me from that experience is that anytime something happens, something objective in our environment, there are infinite different ways to react to it. Right. And there's not, there's in no way am I going to say that, that am I going to try to tell somebody how I think they should react? What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them. So when something like this happens to you, how do you want to react to it? Because that's whatever you can come up with, that's possible. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, some people think that's crazy, though, in a sense, right? Because when you should be reacting over something, there's like this, there's this, uh, uh, this thought that if things that are catastrophic happen, that there is only one way to react to them. And then when you don't react that way, some people might think that you um, don't have a sense of, um, I want to say personality, but that's probably the sure, wrong sure. Word. But you well, know, so then I'm the question, the the issue is, it's not about numbing out, and it's certainly not about trying to react in the way that you think other people want you to. It's about freedom. It's about deciding, like, who do you want to be in the world, and being clear about that. Right. So, so it's not about saying that. Um, having sort of like uh, equanimity or sort of like being kind of happy and content is always the right answer because it's not always the right answer. The The question is sort of like in a specific situation, what is the way that you want to react? And then if somebody doesn't understand how could you react that way, there's not really like a question for you because you know like this is a choice, it's not, you're not just sort of like trying to follow someone else's expectation about sort of like, well, it's better to be content with whatever life gives you than to ever be kind of upset or triggered. It's, that's up to you. Um, and then I think that makes your practice more alive and more possible, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does. You know, um, I've learned, you know, especially in the past few years to kind of change the way I think about things, um, kind of in the, the same way that you talk about it. I, you know, some things are completely out of your hands and mm -hmm. there is nothing you can do about them. And you just have to ride that wave and, you know, think of what the good in the situation is. And, you know, that's something that I've really focused mm -hmm. on in my own personal life. And my husband used to perceive it as yeah. me just checking out and numbing it. 
But then when he realized what I was doing, he was like, man, I wish I could do what you do. Yeah. And I was like, you can. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, And so I think it's important to not just dole the situation and tune it out, you know, but, but definitely reflect on what the positives are and then don't dwell on what is going wrong. You just have to, it's out of your hands sometimes when things go wrong and you just have to change your way of thinking. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So, so this kind of clarity about like, it's not that I'm numbing. It's actually that I'm, I'm, like for me, the whole appeal of any of these practices is that they help me to be more alive, more here, more free, and like more actually in touch with what's happening as opposed to reacting out of whatever sort of habit or whatever, like however I've been trained to react. But yeah, like I, I um, for somebody else, it can, it can kind of seem like, okay, well, do you not care? And it's like, no, you, you can care deeply about something without letting it kick the shit out of you um, when it happens. You can, you can care. And I mean, that's, I feel like that's another one of the things that I try to talk about a lot um, in, in this most recent book in How to Stay Human. It's like a lot of people feel like there's two different options. If you're, if you're going to care about anything, then you become really fragile. And then if you don't want to be fragile, you have to not care. And this, this idea of resilience, this idea of mental strength, what it means is that you can care without being fragile. You can care deeply about what happens in the world, what happens in your life and other people's lives and like broadly in the world. You can care deeply without being harmed, being poisoned, being, you know, like w- without being beat up by life because you can develop that strength and resilience. Right. And that's an important key to um, a lot of things, especially like yeah. think of what's going on in the world right now yeah. where this virus is going around and there are people dying and there are people that mm-hmm. are so stressed out about it. Like, and I'm understanding of their concerns and, but people ask me like, how is this affecting you? And it's like, you know, you, you can be compassionate yeah. without being stressed yeah. about things, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that it's really important to to look yeah. at it things that way, you know, um, and it, the news. I mean, you can see bad yeah. things on the news like every day. And you have to learn yeah. to shift your way of thinking um, when yeah. it comes to, yeah, to seeing absolutely. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So so I think that's like that's the that's the possibility that I think I want to kind of put out there. Um, and, and sort of for, for people who are interested in, in fitness, like that have this understanding of like, well, if you want something, you work for it and then you can make these gains. I think it's like the same thing. It's like, there's this promise that you can get stronger and you can get more in shape. And this is what you have to do. Um, you have to have that kind of, uh, belief or mode or like sort of like that, 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 that it's possible for you. And in the same way with kind of cultivating 
um, mental strength or resilience, it, it, you have to kind of have this understanding of, you know what, it's, it's actually possible for me to relate to life in a different way than I have been. It's actually possible for me to, to care in the way that I want to care, to care in a way that makes me feel connected and open and in touch with the world without it being so painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, and, and I, and then there's, there's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tricky spot too, because right. A lot of, a lot, I feel like a lot of mainstream media and yeah. stuff pushes. Well, yeah. And that's, I think there's this idea, um, in, uh, in Buddhism that, that I kind of, or like this, this idea in sort of Buddhist philosophy that there are four types of diets. Um, so there's the, the diet, your diet of edible food, um, that we're aware of, but then there's three other types of diets. Um, there's the, the diet of what you expose your senses to, right? So if you're, um, if you watch, a, a let, let's say you spend, you know, your, your home on quarantine and you spend your, you know, 12 hours in a day watching horror movies, you know, what does that do to your mind? Um, versus spending 12 hours a day, you know, like, um, exposing yourself to, to things that you might find inspirational or instructional or, you know, whatever it is or comforting, like whatever it is that you're exposing your mind to in terms of media and conversations, um, that, that that's a type of diet and that a lot of us, you know, maybe we don't eat edible junk food, but we fill our minds with junk food. And the two other forms of diet is the sort of diet of your volition or intention. So like what, what motivates you? Is it, is it greed and material wealth? Is it, um, is it compassion and caring? Is it sort of, um, you know, like, like whatever it is, is like your sort of like highest calling, you know, is it family, you know, whatever that is. And then the, the, the last form of diet is like the people that you spend time with um, and sort of like the, 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 the community that you surround yourself with is another type of diet that really affects um, who you are and how you show up in the world. And amen to that. Um, I absolutely love what you just said there because um, that's a really big thing. Um, who you're around is another large one because some people can kind of just put off that negative energy. And I, I feel for that, but you can still care yeah. and not, yeah. and, but care from afar yeah. for them. So yeah, that's, that's really great. Um, so basically some, what is, what do you think the most important thing is to, um, you know, self-compassion and, and changing the way you're thinking. What so I think the first thing is, factor in that? Um, 
I think the the first thing is like understanding kind of what's getting in the way for you of relating to yourself with more kindness. So we we start off with just the idea that like, okay, I would like to relate to myself with more kindness. I'd like, I'm realizing that I'd be more like the person that I want to be if I could relate to myself with more kindness. Then we start and we start to see obstacles. We start to see kind of parts of ourselves that get in the way that might say, um, you know, we don't, I don't deserve this unless I've, unless I've acted, you know, perfectly or kind of like what, whatever, or just like these like strong habits that come up. And the most important thing for me about self-compassion is recognizing, sorry, is, um, yeah, the, the most important thing right. for me about developing self-compassion is recognizing that we want to find a way to have compassion for all of it, for every part of ourselves, as opposed to trying to avoid and get away from what we, what we call negative. And I, I want to describe what I mean by that. So you, you read the news and you have this experience of sorrow. And you say, okay, well, that's not how I want to react to the news. Well, the question is, how do you develop um, the ability to, to have compassion for yourself? Well, the first thing that you want to do is recognize that sorrow or that anger or that fear. It's made out of a wish for the world to be better than it is. And in fact, any self-criticism that comes up for you is made out of a wish for you to be like the person that you want to be. The, like, it's, it's sort of like a distorted form of compassion. But that's actually what's underneath it. And so you can, if you can see its true nature, if you can see that the anger or fear or sorrow that's coming up for me, if you can actually see like what it's longing for, what it's wishing for is for me and other people to have what we need for me and other people to, to sort of like to be in a, in a better world then we can see, I actually like that about me. It makes sense that as a human being, when I see problems, there'd be a part of me that wishes they weren't there. Now, it's not realistic because as we said, there'll always be problems. There'll always be things that are unfixed. But at the same time, as a human being, anytime you pay attention, every time you notice a problem, there's going to part, there'll be a part of you that wishes it were solved, that wishes it weren't there. And you should like that part of yourself, or you can. You can say, like, I'm glad that I wish the world was better. I'm glad that I wish that I had already figured out, you know, whatever thing, you know, whatever I'm trying to learn. Because the alternative is just sort of not caring. And so if you can like that that wish arrives in you, then it's possible to have compassion for, for whatever 
part of you, whatever, whatever thing that comes up. I love that. That is so important. So, so important. Um, so if people want to, yeah. want to, uh, find you, what's the best way to do that? And what kind of resources do you offer? Um, because you've got quite, sure. a, quite some yeah. so, good so literature right out now, there. There's and... a couple of things. So f- for right now, um, uh, especially during quarantine, uh, I have, you know, um, you can just look Tim Desmond. You can kind of look me up on, at any sort of bookseller. Um, I have, uh, um, you know, three or four books. Uh, there's like a, like a, a deck of cards that, that's, that I helped write too. Um, but you know, three books and, uh, several like videos and things like that, that you can find online. Um, the core thing that I'm trying to do right now actually comes, comes back is it's called peer collective. And what it comes down to is that meditation, this type of self-training takes effort. Um, but that it's a lot easier if you have someone to be there with you when you're trying to do it. And so we're setting up peer collective basically as a way we're offering online peer counseling, um, to everyone in the world. Uh, it's, it's like a, a, a new company. Our core offering is a 30 minute online peer counseling session for $14. Um, and so the idea is that uh, we're going through this like kind of strict vetting process, finding people who, who are able to demonstrate the qualities that we're talking about here, kind of empathy, compassion, and warmth, um, who already have those. And then we're training them in peer counseling and then making that service available to people so that they don't have to go through this process alone. And so you can, yeah, you can find us uh, on the internet at, at um, peercollective.org. Awesome. Um, you know, and I think that's an, an incredible thing that you're doing for people because there is not enough resources for a lot of people. And, you know, that's going to well, be yeah, a that's huge that, game that's what we're hoping. in the community as well. Yeah, so exciting. Well, I'm so thankful you came on and chatted with me today because I think there's a lot of pearls for the listeners to of today's episode to take away. So I'm really appreciative of that. And I'm thankful that um, you have this knowledge to share with others. Oh, good. And that Th- thanks so much. Spreading a great message. Well, that about wraps it up today for my interview with Tim. I think he had some really great information to bring to the table, and I'm especially thankful that he came on to talk to us about how um, we can, you know, kind of think about the really good things in life that we're experiencing and kind of live in the moment sometimes because we tend to get wrapped up in our next big thing. And we have to kind of sit down and and think of what we have already accomplished and the things that we're thankful for. So definitely check his book out. I read it. I downloaded it on audiobooks. He narrates it himself, which is fantastic. And I will put all of Tim's information in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining me. 